When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Look the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Time is on the word. Hey, that's sick. I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're going to expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. It's Monday, and we had a, a weekend of football, which is actually kind of weird to say here uh, at the first week of February. We will be talking about some XFL games here in just a minute. We've got Mr. Dennis Bennett, who you can find on Twitter at Culture underscore Coach with us. Dennis, how you doing? Dennis is doing fantastic. You know, nothing like a February in Ohio when it's 45 Oh, yeah, I mean that's probably a lot more uh, a lot more beautiful than what our other host is dealing with, as we were just talking about there, Mr. Matthew Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at Nighthawk seven seven three four. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, broadcasting live from the Hoth system here. <laughs> yeah, we. Hey, were... hey, Matt Fox, did you do you know? Did your uh, doppelganger ever get booted off Twitter? There did indeed. All right, sweet. I had to. Uh, I had to. It's funny, you know. You have to go through that situation with Twitter. I actually had to send them my driver's license to verify my identification. God, that's just weird, man. There's so many like bad ways that could go. For those of you who don't know, Matt, uh, because he is definitely the most high profilist of high profiles on Twitter, <laughs> especially when it comes to uh, everything movies and. Uh, 
What else is it that you do a really good job on? Well, I know you just did the XFL stuff. I was trying to think of what else you like. The move, fantasy movie leagues, you obviously do a really good job on movies and everything. But they, uh, you got impersonated, and they uh, were trying to, I guess, scam Dennis out of some money is what it looked like. No, they didn't. They didn't approach me. I just, uh, I heard they did somebody else though. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. They were just scamming other people. But yeah, so you had to go through all that. It was just, I, I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine that. That would just be weird. It's somewhat funny, and I would, I would, I guess maybe somewhat flattering. I don't, I don't really know how that works out when someone tries to, I guess, steal your, steal your handle or anything like that. I don't know how they go about choosing who and 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 why they choose who they choose. Yeah, I mean, they clone my. Uh, a lot of my bio, but there was a couple of giveaways. I never used my actual name in um, my social media handle because I share a name, obviously, with a pretty famous actor who was on Lost. So I've always oh, yeah. uh, used that. my. I've kind of always used my uh, my nickname, and then the other thing is obviously uh, in my bio. It says uh, I work at First Pres, and um, those of you that know me, I work for First Presbyterian Church. Right. But uh, whoever was trying to scam obviously didn't really realize that and uh, changed it to press, thinking I was working for a journalism outlet, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, I completely forgot that you, Mr. Matthew Fox, I guess, do technically share the first same and last name, so that is uh, very interesting. I, I yep. didn't even put that together until you said that. Uh, Alright, so uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, we're going to do uh, a little bit of everything today. We're going to talk about some of the free agents at quarterback and running back, but I wanted to jump in and talk about uh, the XFL games. We had uh, four games over this weekend. Uh, Matt, uh, we had you on last Friday's episode to kind of preview all of that, so I'm going to jump in. Uh, I got to watch both games Sunday. I know you watched some of them. Uh, we'll see. I can't remember how much Dennis got to watch exactly. I know he had some stuff going on, but we'll jump in and talk about the XFL games and our kind of first impressions of it over the weekend first and 10 at the Lions 29 and Prescott goes screen right Elliott down the right side to the 25 to the 20 to the 10 Elliott to the pylon Zeke Elliott touchdown 38 on the screen Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in it, 15, he's in it, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb a love a hub! 92 yards! from Adam. Case on a deep throb, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Off by Dick. Stay home. Oh my God. Oh my God.
Yeah, I actually, I watched uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I didn't see the second half of the second game on Saturday because we went out uh, with my wife and saw Birds of Prey. I thought I couldn't tell her we couldn't go on date night because I was watching football uh, (laughs) post-Super Bowl. So, But uh, really was impressed with the D.C. defenders in the first game. Uh, I know it's going to be music to your ears, but Cardale Jones was probably my favorite player of the weekend watching him play. Um, I thought he was really good. I actually thought Seattle had some moments in that first game. Second game, um, Houston, their quarterback, uh, I think it's P.J. Williams, he was uh, pretty electric. They had a lot of long bombs, which were kind of fun. L.A. uh, struggled uh, a little bit in the second half, but they were kind of competitive. Sunday was a little bit more of a comeback to earth. Um, New York looked really good, but uh, that first game, they just crushed uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Aaron Murray did not look very good. And uh, Mark Tressman, I, I had thought that offense would be kind of fun to watch, but it was not. And then in the last game, I really think it's hard to get a read on Dallas, which I think might be one of the better teams because Landry Jones was injured and didn't play in that game. So they had Philip Nelson, and he was like 31 of 39, but for 180 yards. I mean, all it was was dump-offs to like Dunbar and Cameron Artis Payne. So that game was a little bit of a chore uh, to watch the last one. Saturday was good. Um, I thought some of the the changes were interesting. I'm curious to see how it goes when it develops. The second week we get uh, D.C. and the New York Guardians playing each other, and both of those teams I thought looked pretty impressive in week one. So that could be kind of a fun game to watch. Yeah, I watched the game I got to see the most of was the uh, uh, DC Defenders game. And obviously, uh, with Cardale playing, uh, I had a rooting interest. Uh, I, I thought they looked pretty good. Um, it, it's, it's a situation where most of the guys in this league are not going to get a real opportunity at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, I do think it's a step above the AAF uh, in that. You do have guys like Cardale Jones, and, and you've got some guys who I, I don't want to call them cast-offs because that sounds harsh, but some guys like Simi Cobbs and Eli Rogers, Kenneth Farrow, that that put some time in at the NFL level but just haven't stuck around. Uh, you know, Christian Michaels in, in the league, which I, I feel like – we're just an injury away from Trent Richardson signing, (laughs) (laughs) but it it was, it was good to see, you know, the, the Washington defenders played well. And I I feel like they, they look good. Who was it? uh, Pepper Johnson got canned after week one for LA wildcats. Uh, You know, and that's weird because that game was super competitive in the first half. LA actually led 17 to 12 or something like that. Uh, until Houston was able to put up a touchdown, and it was 18-17 at the half. It just ends up being 37-17. to They just kind of fell apart in the second half. Uh, their defense just wasn't ready for all these long bombs. But Houston has um, trying to, Sammy Coates, uh, and they had cultivated a lot of huge kind of receivers, and their offense uh, philosophy seemed like they just were going to bomb the ball. Um, and that you know, 
the XFL wants scoring. They want activity. Um, they want personality. It was great, uh, even in a kind of boring St. Louis, Dallas, you know, where the offensive struggled. Marquette King out there punting for St. Louis uh, was super fun to watch, you know, and yeah. he, he nailed some huge kicks. I like the sideline interviews where they grab people, whether you do well or whether you do poorly, and they grab you like right away and you have to answer questions. Like the first game, this guy misses a 35 yard field goal, and I'm thinking, God, he's and as soon as he hits the sideline the re- the reporter is there make them take his helmet off and talk about why he missed the kick i actually kind of enjoyed that um they had a lot of fun like troy aikman was at the dallas game on the sideline and they had pat mcafee as their sideline reporter and he, he was giving some great commentary and he'd go grab troy and troy would run up and make comments i mean it was it was fun um i agree with dennis that i think it's a lot better organized and a lot better prepped uh, than the AAF was, and I could see this uh, lasting and being kind of a fun way to extend football a little bit and drown out some of those winter sorrows. You know, it's interesting just looking at the box score here. You know, Matt Jones, him of the tiny hands and fumbleitis in Washington, <laughs> t- twenty-one carries for eighty-five yards, and, and Christian Michael seven for zero. He he looked terrible. Uh, people were making jokes about he was already in midseason Seahawk form. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get a chance to watch either one of the the Saturday games either. Um, for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I posted uh, my my brother was on his way back to Colorado and broke down in uh, Amarillo, which is about a five and a half hour drive from my house. So I spent uh, uh, pretty much all of my Saturday driving to go pick him up and bring him back to my house. Uh, so I missed both those games. Listened to him on the radio, but obviously it's it's not the same thing. So I did get to see a lot of the uh, the highlights for the Defenders game because I am a you know day one Defender supporter. I'm gonna cl- I claim that now. Uh, I already got my Defenders gear in the mail, uh, mostly because of we must have all three gone Defenders because that was the team I picked in the app after watching the first game too. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, well, well for me it was all Cardell Jones. Like he's really probably I, I haven't looked fully at every single roster, but when he got. Uh, when yeah. he got technically drafted or picked, however, I can't. I know they decided to like go quarterback wise first. They did do a draft, yeah. Yeah, whenever he went there, I was like, all right, that's that's gonna be my team because I love Cardell. He obviously brought a, a national championship to the Buckeyes. I, I'm still a huge fan of him. Uh, so I got a little hat and a and a shirt coming in the mail. I believe it's supposed to be here by like Monday next week. So I'm super excited about that. I'll be rocking that stuff all XFL season long. Uh, but I did watch the two Sunday games. Um, I actually didn't think the Vipers-Guardians game was that bad. The, the defense, I thought, for the Guardians was really good. Uh, yeah. Vipers, uh, for the most part... I thought had a chance to get back in. It was just too many, too many turnovers on the offense. I did not see. I saw most of the Battle Hawks Renegades game. Uh, it'll be interesting because I actually believe when the, when the season kicked off, the Renegades and the Vipers were like the the odds on favorites to win the XFL Cup or the championship, whatever it's called. I think it's they, DC and the Ren- Dallas and DC. They said had the two oh, best okay. odds. Okay, I thought I thought they said the Vipers, but uh, it'll be. Uh, Interesting, because I do think part of the Renegades' issues was the fact that they didn't have Landry Jones out there. They had a backup quarterback. They kind of had to make a move at quarterback, which, uh, you know, interesting little tease here. Might not be the only Dallas team making a move at quarterback. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Uh, So you you mentioned mentioned some of the the stuff you liked about uh, the – what they were doing, like sideline stuff and everything. What did you guys think about the kickoffs and – 
specifically as well the the extra point stuff after touchdowns because I thought it was very interesting. We didn't really see anybody going for the two and three points. Everybody was kind of going, although in the Vipers-Guardians game, and there was a, I, again, I didn't want, get a chance to watch most of the Saturday game, so I don't know if they did that in there. Uh, but in the, the Vipers-Guardians game, the Guardians were going for the extra point but running a play, not doing the kick. Uh, yeah. So what did you guys kind of think about that? No, there, is no, there is no kick for an oh, extra okay. point. You have to run so, a play. And I did see a ton of teams go for either one or two. You have to run a play no matter what, either from the two, the five, or the ten. I did not see anyone in the games I was watching go for three, but I think uh, just one play from the ten-yard line you would probably only do if you thought you were going to be able to make a comeback and there were not a lot of those close game situations. Yeah, I didn't see the uh, uh, any of the, the three-yard plays or three-point plays, it, it is interesting to, to think that, you know, it, even in uh, a game like the Vipers down 17-3, to three, it's a, a situation where they can come you, – you can come back with, with this extra point slash points uh, situation a, a little bit quicker. It doesn't, it doesn't really take that. Now, the interesting part is the – uh, what what's that the the onside kick where you have to tell them it's an onside kick? Yeah, yeah. That Vipers game you bring up though is actually a good uh, example of I think it's even going to take coaches who are used to playing football a long time a little bit of adjust to the strategy because there is a case where you had a goal to go situation down seventeen to nothing and Mark Tressman instead of going for a touchdown because at that point in the XFL seventeen points is a two possession game i don't think he was quite thinking you know about the three-point play or the fact he could get nine points and he opted for field goal and i know they roasted him uh from the broadcast booth but i saw a great tweet from mike clay who said you know down 17 nothing uh fourth and fourth and three uh, fourth and goal at the three uh 52 seconds in the third quarter and the vipers go for a field goal so xfl can't fix everything (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's that's gonna be the interesting part. Uh, I, if does anybody go for three? Because I'm with you, Matt. Obviously, I didn't see any. I know nobody did in the Sunday games. Again, I didn't get to watch the Saturday ones. But if you guys, uh, you just said you didn't see anybody go for it. I'm interested to see if anybody does try to go for the three points, and and if that maybe comes in later in the season, uh, maybe when it's getting toward. Because I don't, they don't do playoffs or anything, right? Is it how how do they determine the championship? Yeah, they do. Okay. So. 10-week regular season, and then the top two teams by record in the West and the East will play in the championship game in Week 11, and then the two winners of those games will meet for the title game in Week 12 on April 26th. Gotcha. So then I wonder if maybe that'll come more into play toward the end of the season when teams are needing to win, if they'll they'll be more willing to go for those three points. It was the first week. Uh, You know, you can't expect them to, to... Try everything out, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, what about the kickoffs, though? Because there's a lot of interesting talk today on sports radio about the NFL possibly moving toward it. I actually kind of liked it. I was hesitant on it when when you explained it to me on Friday, Matt. But once I actually watched it, and, and you had uh, talked about a link that you could find on Twitter where they posted videos of how the stuff worked and everything. I didn't get a chance to watch them, but obviously saw it when when the games kicked off. 
I think it's actually kind of interesting. I do think that is a way that they could implement that in the NFL and and still kind of allow one of the most exciting plays in NFL to to be there because right now you really don't get a lot of returns and, and they've always talked about trying to find a way to limit the injuries because that is where uh, most injuries occur on an NFL field. I do feel like that's a, a safer way of doing it because you don't have one side of the team running full speed down and, and colliding with guys who are trying to block. I yeah, thought it, it just looked kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it was they line up different. so close together there. Yeah, yeah, I thought it looked it, it was different too. Uh, you know, I'd like to see it a little bit more. Some people were in love with it right away. I, I thought it was okay. It's an experiment. Um, you did mention if people want to check out uh, kind of the rules and the explanation from Dean Blandino, who was the head of officiating for the NFL and is doing the officiating for the XFL, it's at xfl.com backslash rules. And they have little videos, but they also have um, what the college and professional rule are and what their rationale is for trying something different, um, which I thought was, you know, they have reasoned arguments for all these things. Um you know, there's been a lot of talk. NFL is going to have to do something about the kickoff. I thought it was interesting. It's almost a touch of regression. Dennis touched on it that, uh, you know, you have to let the other team know if you're doing an onside kick and then they do the traditional NFL onside kick as it is currently. And that's one of the plays we've seen doesn't seem to really be working and doesn't seem to be that great. And I have, that's one place where I thought the AAF had come up with something kind of unique doing, you know, a play basically like a long fourth down conversion play. I was kind of bummed XFL hadn't brought something like that to bear since they've tried to do such kind of creative things. Um, so didn't, I don't think I didn't see any onside kicks uh, this week, but that was kind of, and we didn't get to see the other place that they're really uh, doing something different is the overtime rules, which is essentially a shootout style mm-hmm. where you get five cracks um, to, to run scoring plays and whoever there were no ties. So those uh, couple of things, I'm curious to see how they play out in the future. Yeah, yeah it, it is interesting. That's for sure. I'm really hoping that some team goes into overtime because I would love to just see that. Uh, so let's see. We also are talking about free agents today. And as I mentioned, uh, Dallas Renegades uh, finally actually to a team in uh, in Dallas that uh, the Cowboys – not Cowboys, man. I messed that all up. A team in Dallas that Dallas fans can cheer for in February for once uh, was uh, did play yesterday <laughs> and they had to make a uh, – they had to make a move at quarterback now due to a, a knee injury for Tom Landry. So let's talk about free agents and the Cowboys. Will they be Landry moving Jones, on? Landry Jones. <laughs> oh, what did I say? Tom Landry? He came Dallas back. Cow- Dallas Cowboy fans just died all over here. He, he came back. He's alive. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. Misspeak on my part, doing a whole lot of that here in about that past 30 seconds. Uh, Dak Prescott, is he staying? Is he going? What do you guys think? We'll kick it off with, uh, with you, Dennis. What are your thoughts on Dak and his uh, impending free agency? I think Dak's staying in in Dallas. There's no real impetus for him to move on. I I get that that it's a lot of money, but why would why would he move on from Dallas when he's going to make great money whether he stays or goes? He's got a a great offensive line, a great running back, some great receivers a competent defense, and now a, a better head coach 
for all intents and purposes, I suppose. So I, I think at the very least he gets franchised. But if, if any, you know, there were the big three. It was Zeke, it was Amari, and it was Dak. And my feeling all along was that the, the one least likely to be back was Cooper. So they already signed Zeke, so now it's down to Dak and, and Amari. And I, I think that they likely work out a extension. I could see it being maybe not a, a five- or a six-year extension. I could see Dak saying, you know what, let's go two- or three-year and let's see how this goes. You know, pay me pay me some pretty good money, and, and I'll stick around for a couple more years and see how the thing goes with the new coach. Tie the length of his contract to when Elliott's money starts to uh, be palatable to cut him, which is in two or three years, I think. Uh then if it doesn't work out for Dallas, then then uh, McCarthy can rebuild. So I, I think Dak's back. Yeah, I think he's 100% the, at the worst. They're going to franchise tag him. I think that uh, they would feel much more comfortable letting Amari Cooper walk than letting Dak walk. They've All their discussions have seemed to uh, indicate that, so I don't think there's any chance that Dak is gone. I want to say that he stays, but I really don't know. I mean, all the news coming out from here is that he's already come out and said if they franchise him, he's not going to show up, which I don't blame him. Uh, You know, the one thing you can say about Dak is he was the team guy last year because he knew going in that was his final year of his contract, and you had a guy like Zeke who sat out, didn't play, started two years on his contract, and they signed him. They bring in Jalen Smith, and they signed him, who nothing against Jalen Smith. He's been really good the past couple years and definitely a really good linebacker. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's top 10-ish at linebacker right now, where you could argue that Dak Prescott is in the top 10 of quarterbacks in the NFL, yet he came out, played the entire season, never once got his contract re-signed, anything like that, and now he's sitting here uh, with a possibility of getting franchise tag, where again, he says that he would he would not show up. So that that's the part that worries me, is that you look at Jerry Jones, and he's always ended up paying his guys. So why isn't Dak paid yet? What, what, what are they waiting for, is my question, because they've had a whole season. And now this point up into the offseason – why haven't they signed Dak? Waiting on the new contract year and the new cap space. But that's not till ne- that's not till after next season. Well, I think it's. But I think or the it's new about league finding year, a, I guess. Yeah, but I th- think it's also about finding a number that works for both of them because, you know, Dallas doesn't want to end up investing all of its money in Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and having the rest of the team fall apart because that's not going to work either. So, you know, it's how much are they willing to give him? How long of a commitment do they want to do? I think there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of pieces that go into this, and they probably are waiting to let Mike McCarthy. I mean, look at how long it took him to even decide to let Jason Garrett go when we knew after week 14 that that was a DOA situation. So I I just don't think they feel like they need to take a lot of time. I think Jerry's going to avail himself of all the tools available, you know, and if he feels like he needs to franchise tag him to make sure nobody gets in there, he's going to do it. 
All right, so I want to throw a scenario at you guys really quick. Just just throwing this out there, but Dak is Dak at the beginning of last season said that he wanted forty million. I, I know me and Dennis talked about it at the time. Neither one of us felt that he was worth forty million. I feel like that's a little bit of an overpay for the guy, but it is kind of where the market is at at quarterback. So I kind of understand him asking for that. Uh, in my opinion, while he did go out there and have a very good year, he didn't win enough games to kind of prove that he is an elite quarterback. And as Jerry Jones said multiple times, uh, since he does get a microphone or goes, it seems like runs to every microphone he sees, uh, that winning is the most important stat. So while Dak put up a lot of really good personal stats, he was not able to win games for the Cowboys last year. Do either one of you think there is any realistic shot that they bring in a anybody else in free agency who they would have to pay cheaper money than Dak draft a quarterback in this draft or vice versa franchise Dak and then trade him to a team that needs a quarterback and bring in a a young quarterback to somewhat extend their window because the big argument obviously against paying quarterbacks and why everybody talks about uh, trying to build a team around a quarterback on a rookie contract is that quarterbacks eat up so much of the cap so any shot that you think that happens like if uh, ballpark it, I guess. 50%, 60%, 5%. Either one of those, are you guys firmly in the camp that there's no way he's not in Dallas uh, to start the season? Well, I, I don't think Jerry has what it takes to franchise him and then pull off a trade. Okay. Uh, I, I, yes. I just don't think that's in his, his makeup. Uh, I, I, I think if you say that to him, I think he looks at you like a dog who who... who thinks you expect him to start speaking. He, he just, he, he's not gonna, he, he, he's either going to franchise him and, and keep him or he's going to sign him to a, a contract or he's going to let him walk. He isn't going to franchise him and trade him. Yeah. I'm still going with 0% chance. I think Dallas is pretty locked in that, that he's who they're going to go, go with. All right, Tom Brady came out earlier today and said that he will test the free agent market. Um, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of talk about that to begin with, not necessarily confirmed that he was going to do it, but he did come out and say that today. Uh, any shot that you guys think he leaves New England? I mean, I do think that there are going to be multiple suitors for him. We already know the Raiders came out and said they would pursue him. Uh, you know, I brought up the trade thing earlier because there was a lot of talk down here in Dallas out of something Michael Irvin said that the Cowboys would consider seriously consider going after Tom Brady as well. I do think there's a lot of teams that might go after him. Indianapolis kind of comes to mind as well with as good as that offensive line and defense is. Uh, so your guys' thoughts on Tom Brady. Where, where would you guys ballpark? on what you think he does in the free agent market i could see him testing free agency and entertaining offers and you know i think on nfl network a couple weeks ago they talked about it's his first time being a free agent you could see him wanting to be wooed um you know and see what that experience is like but ultimately you know i think if he looks around there are no super ideal fits Uh, i think he ends up back in new england I mean, Brady has played under the same offense for 20 years now uh, with the same coach. And and while there probably is some truth to the old adage that familiarity breeds contempt, uh, him and Belichick are are tied at the hip. And at 42 years old, I don't think it's – that's not when you decide to go out and say, I'm going to show you I can do it without you. I think you wait and you ride off into the sunset together. You 
wave goodbye and go sit on your California shore and watch the sunset. I, I can't see him going to another team and trying to learn a new offense or trying to install his offense on some team. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense that it, to me that it's something he wants to do. I, I think you, you make it, if, if you think the team is good enough in New England to make another run, then you go make another run. And if you don't think it's good enough, then you, you know, tip your hat and go home. See, I don't think he wants to tip his hat, though. And I don't think New England's good enough. Now, I'm not going to put it past Bill to make some moves to improve that team. But I would say right now the Patriots, if Tom comes back to it, outside of making some big changes, and I would talk about offensive line, defense, they need another wide receiver, you're looking at probably the third or fourth best team in the AFC, if that. Which, granted, yeah, you get to the you get into the playoffs and it's anybody's shot. You have a chance to beat anybody on any given Sunday, sure. I don't think that Brady wants to retire, and I, I don't think that he looks at the Patriots as a team that can win the Super Bowl next year, and I think that's what he wants. He clearly wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't think he's as, as tied to the Patriots as everybody else thinks he is. I... It gets to a certain point where you really want to cement your legacy. And what would cement his legacy even more than going to another team and winning a Super Bowl without Bill? Nothing. I think I would even have to get off my high horse and say that he is the best quarterback of all time if he were to go to another team and win a Super Bowl with a team without Bill Belichick. And there are teams that are set up to win now that I think could benefit from him that they don't have to change the offensive schemes at all. You go into a place like the Los Angeles Chargers who, yeah, they need to improve their offensive line a little bit as well, but they have a really good defense. Yeah, they're going to possibly lose. They're going to lose either Melvin Gordon or Eckler. I don't think they let both go. If you keep Eckler, you have a James white Sony michelle combo right there that he can rely on. You've got two really good wide receivers, probably two of the best wide receivers he's had since Randy Moss. So I, I And going to Indianapolis, same thing. Got a good running game. A great offensive line, probably top five. Yeah, you only have T.Y. Hilton, although I still think Paris Campbell's can be can be really good, but we'll see what happens with him. So I, I don't think it's a for sure thing that he stays in New England or retires. I, I would actually put it more on him leaving uh leaving New England and, and going and playing somewhere else and him coming back to the to the Patriots. But see, I think one thing you're missing there is this the situations like you talk about the Chargers. I don't know if you've looked. I went and looked. The Chargers have a ton of free agency questions, including I would bet that they lose both Melvin Gordon and Hunter Henry, and they don't have a ton of cap space either, and they have some massive issues on the offensive line, which was a big part of the reason that they went 5-11. and 11. I don't think they're like quite as set up as you think they are. The Colts could be an interesting option. I, I don't think, I don't know that I think that the Colts receiving situation is that much different than what he had in new England this past season. I, you know, they, they have a lot of young guys that need to develop. T Y Hilton to me is a little hit or miss, uh, their tight end situation. They've already basically said they're moving on from Ebron Doyle. You know, we've liked in the past, but that was a that was a tough team to watch down the stretch. I that's one of the reasons I don't think he goes somewhere else is I don't think there is that ideal situation where he's set up to to really guarantee to be competing for a Super Bowl and you have to kind of start over no matter where 
you're going, I think it's more likely that he puts pressure on New England to make some moves to get some players. I mean, we all have pretty much joked but are afraid that A.J. Green and some guys like that are going to New England. I think a couple of moves like that, he slides right back in. There's a great comfort level. You know Josh McDaniels isn't going anywhere for a year. So I just don't think if there was that one or two ideal situations, maybe I'd be more inclined to believe he goes. But I think if you look around, there are a lot of teams that want him that that could offer some things that have some issues. I think the Chargers are more likely looking at completely rebuilding. They are they bottomed out. They missed their window. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a, a Manning to Denver situation sitting out there waiting for Brady. Uh, uh, you know, I, I remember, it seems like I remember hearing early early on in the offseason, uh, Blake Costanzo, Costanzo starting to think about retirement. And, and uh, while well, he's been a great left tackle, uh, you know, if he start, if he, when they start to talk about it, you got one foot out the door. Uh, Quentin Nelson's great. Uh, Glowinski's pretty good. They they do have some. They do have a good offensive line, but they they've battled some injuries, and and Costanzo's getting older. Uh, and and I agree with with Matt that 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 wide receiver core in Indianapolis is not any better than what he has uh, in New England. So New England needs they need to put some money into their offensive line. Um, and hopefully a veteran wide receiver comes in and and, and uh, fits in. But yeah, I, I'm I I wouldn't be putting money on Brady heading out. Yeah, so I hear what you're saying on the Chargers side of it. Hey, are however sitting at they're the 12th team right now with cap space available, and outside of Hunter Henry and. You know, Gordon and Eckler, I, there's not a lot of really other talented players that I was looking at that, that are leaving that team. Yes, you're right. The offensive line, as I said, and I said it too, they, they need to be improved. But guess what? You can grab a couple offensive linemen in this draft because the skill position player in this draft is so loaded. I do think that those offensive linemen are going to get pushed down a little bit. So I do think they'll be able to get one or two guys. With the cap space they have, they're going to be able to re-sign maybe both of them. I mean, Hunter Henry is not going to get a top contract. He's not proven anything. Mm. We all in the fantasy industry. I sort of disagree about that. Ha, I disagree about that. And they why is he going to get a top 51, contract? He's done nothing. They have fifth. They have fifty-one million in cap space. You have to remember, Brady. They've talked about if he leaves New England, twenty-five to thirty. So you're talking about two thirds. Maybe, you don't, cap, but gone. you don't know that he's going to take that. If he wants to go somewhere and possibly win, we've seen him do it his entire career in New England, be extremely underpaid at the quarterback position. That's what everybody's but assuming he's going to do. if he wants to go do. somewhere and win, he's not going to a team whose core just went 5-11 and 11 and is in a division where they're easily the fourth-place team. I mean, San Francisco went 4-12 and 12 last year and made the Super Bowl. But San Francisco had uh, several marquee injuries you could point to, and they had a lot of young players. They were trending up. They showed flashes of of being a better team despite their record. Los Angeles Chargers were 12-4 and four the year before. Right. A lot of people thought they were going to be a serious contender, myself included. And what we saw from that team was alarming. They're coming apart. They, I firmly believe that they're looking at starting over. They have that number six pick 
they're going to want to take a franchise quarterback. Tom Brady does not want to walk into that. And they can still take a franchise quarterback to six. I'm not telling but them Tom, that they can't. Tom, Tom Brady does not want to walk into a situation where if they start out one and four, everybody's booing. Maybe. I, I still don't know that they'd even do that because I don't think they'd start out one and four. You, you just pointed out what I was going to go to next. And, yeah, they were 12 and four the year before. They're not a bad team. They had a ton of injuries as well. Everybody just wants to forget about the injuries that they had. They had a ton of injuries on the defensive side. You add in the fact that Melvin Gordon sat out, I think, five, six games. You had your best running back. I mean, granted, Eckler came in and played very well, so I'm not going to say anything bad about Eckler. But he came in and played very well. And you also had Phillip Rivers, who did. I could have gone out there and played better quarterback than Phillip Rivers last season. You cannot tell me that Tom Brady coming in there and playing better than him doesn't have a chance to bring that team back to a 12-14 and 14 like they were the year why do you think Brady would be better than him? I bet if you put their stats side by side, they were alarmingly similar. I, I, Tom Brady was not a good passer last year. He has visibly taken a step back. I, I don't disagree with that. I've said that he has taken a step back, but I also think that he probably, I don't know. I'm trying to pull up the stats to see how close they were. But uh, he also had a really bad offensive line last year, and he has nobody to throw to. Who you, you can't throw it to Julian Edelman on every single play. The defense is going to figure that out eventually, and there were times that he was able to get shut down. He had no running game to speak of as well. One of the reasons that the New England had been good in the prior years was because they either had a really good passing game or really good running game. They had neither last year. They relied on that But defense. neither did the Chargers. The Chargers couldn't block. The Chargers couldn't sustain a running game either. That was a big part of their problem. Yeah, I agree, and that's what I'm saying. They could change that, though, in the offseason because you're talking about – you both said that the the Patriots could be good. The Patriots are losing a ton of their defensive starters as well in the free agency, and you're, are you going to tell me that Bill Belichick's going to bring them all back because he doesn't do it? How often does he ever bring people back? Yeah, but does he need to? We've seen Bill Belichick have a career of being able to make up for lost pieces. We haven't seen the same thing from the Chargers infrastructure or front office. Yeah, we've seen him be able to do that because he's had 12 at quarterback, though, as well. When you have a, a so franchise let's, let's, quarterback... Let's talk their numbers. So Go ahead. Brady went 373 of 613 for a 60.8%. Uh, 4,057 4, yards, 24 touchdowns with eight interceptions. He had a 6.6 yards per attempt. Well, uh, I bet Rivers doubled him in interceptions. Oh, no, River, he more than doubled it. Oh, well, there we go. But he also passed for 600 more yards. Uh, because they were behind him, uh, in every 7. game. 7.8 yards per attempt, so 1.2 yards per attempt higher. Uh, 288.4 yards per game to 253.6. So that just, that, and we're not saying Rivers is great by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Rivers is Rivers completed sixty six percent of his pass to Brady's almost sixty one percent of his passes. Uh, it, I, I don't. I, I honestly, I think they both should ride off into the sunset and let a kid have the job. 
Well, you brought up Rivers, so we might as well just talk about him. I, we're going to agree to disagree on the Tom Brady thing, obviously. But uh, uh, on Rivers, uh, he came out today earlier and said that he is pulling out of uh, Los Angeles as well. It's the first time he's ever pulled out in his life. First time Rivers has ever uh, pulled out. You saw out. that too? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so any thoughts on him? I, I know there's a lot of people bringing up Tampa Bay. We've kind of discussed it before. I don't think that's a good fit for him. Uh, I would honestly lean more toward Indianapolis as well if he was really going to come back and, and Indy wanted to bring in a more veteran quarterback. I don't know if I was Indy, I'd do that, but I, I do think there's a – if he wants to play, I would imagine he's going to get a shot somewhere to be a starter. I don't know if he's going to be, but I do think he gets a shot. So you guys uh, – Dennis, you were saying that you think he should retire uh, just a minute ago. Is that, that kind of the route that you're going with him as well? Yeah, I, I, I think they – you know, Rivers – his arm looked, he looked shot and going to a new, I, I just think, you know, you're getting up there, you're 37, 38 years old. And, and I get that health and, you know, uh, supplements and training is so much better than it used to be. But sometimes, man, you just gotta, you just gotta hang it up. It's sometimes it's just time to go. And that's always been the thing with, with professional athletes is they can never, very rarely do they make the Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson decision and say, I'm going to go out on top. You know, not a lot of them do that. Most of them play way beyond uh, their good years. And it, it leaves, a, it, it, it hampers their legacy a little bit. I think it's time for Rivers to uh, call it a career. Um. So I think it's definitely possible he ends up retiring. Obviously, he's got 85 kids, so he's got a lot of interests outside of football. That's my over-under number um, in correlation to Dennis's earlier joke. Uh, but there were two places that I thought I could potentially see that might be interesting. One is if Carolina cuts bait with Cam Newton. Um, you know, if Phillip Rivers uh, went to NC State, um, I could see it being interested in being a short-term kind of like bridge quarterback there because obviously we saw if they do decide to move on from Newton, I don't think Kyle Allen or uh, Will Greer were the answers there. Um, don't, I don't, my, my boy Will Greer didn't get a real shot yet, so. Um, he's still trying to recover from uh, from the shot he got. Uh, and the many shots he got in that game, he, he looked uh, tragically awful. He did. Um, I, I concur. But, I mean, it isn't a real shot. I just don't think, you know, I think they have weapons and um, they have the kind of team. They didn't look bad at times early in the season with Kyle Allen. He kind of imploded. And I get that, you know, Rivers – wasn't incredible. Um, but, you know, the Chargers, I think, had some other things going against them. They didn't have the greatest line. They didn't, they had some curious situations. But I also think it began to wear on them that they've had no home field advantage. I think that was a tough uh, situation. They were pretty much every game for them was a road game. Um, I think that ends up wearing on them. It could be good for Rivers coming back home. The other one that I thought might be interesting is if Breeze ends up retiring. Rivers going, following Breeze again, and ending up in New Orleans on a short contract. Those are a couple of teams that I think have uh, infrastructure pieces in place that if they had a nice veteran passer, they could compete. 
Do you think Breeze is going to retire though? I if, I do. Of the, I 100% of the three guys going to retire. Of the of the three guys we're talking about, I think he's actually the one that's playing the best. But I think he's the one that's most ready. I 100% think he's going to retire. Yeah, I'm leaning more toward him retiring as well. Uh, not just because of the the Russell Wilson thing we saw at the Pro Bowl. I think it's something I think me and you have talked about before, Dennis, is that he's always been very much. Uh, when the season ends, he's never been the guy who who's wanted to reflect and all this stuff. It's always been, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna be back next year. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. Even when they got, you know, clearly screwed over by the refs in that Rams game a couple years ago, he was all about, hey, we're gonna be back next year. There's no doubt about it. Now, and I understand he's out of contract now, uh, but he's been very much on the well. I just, I, I need to sit back and think. I need to talk to the family and kind of decide what we're gonna do next. And I do kind of feel like he's leaning more towards retiring than staying. Uh, and, and I do well, think. He- owns all those records now he's 40 years old he's got a lot of family and personal interests i I don't think for him it's so much a case of the way he played on the field because i would agree with you that he's looked better or more fit this last season than than either rivers or brady i think it's just for him that he's he's comfortable with what he's achieved what about you dennis because you're the only one you think he retires you think he comes back to the saints I, I I feel like his competitive drive is, is as strong as the other two. And given the way their last couple seasons have ended, I, I, I just don't think that I, – I don't. he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that, that can take that as that's how my career ends is kind of getting these bum calls at the end of it. So I feel like he'll be back. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's – it's hard to say because I do agree with that part of it. The competitive drive part's got to bring you back, but at the same time, when you've gotten, I mean, you could realistically say if you go back even to the Minneapolis Miracle, which is not anything the refs did, but just like the way that they have lost the past three times, that has got to just kind of just beat down on you. It's just got to beat you down. And I do feel like he's accomplished so much that. Very rarely do players get to go and and ride off into the sunset after winning a Super Bowl. Most, I would say, ninety nine percent of players re- they either retire or the game retires them without winning a championship. So maybe he has just kind of reached that point where he's like, you know what? I've, as Matt said, he's he's happy with the accomplishments he's had. He's had a phenomenal NFL career, first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. That maybe he's finally just reached that point. Where he's like, you know what? It, it's time. So I'll be interested to see. I think he he's the biggest question mark. Uh, for me, I do think Rivers retires. I think Brady goes somewhere else. Breeze is the one that I'm kind of like. I have no idea. Like I'm completely fifty fifty on it. I could I could see it going either way. Uh, and someone who is really tied into him on that, not just uh, Philip Rivers if he ends up going there, like you said, Matt. But Teddy, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater went down there in hopes of becoming the guy. After Drew Brees moved on, uh, there was a lot of talk earlier a couple weeks ago that it might be Taysom Hill. Uh, if Brees retires or if Brees stays, do you think that that matters for Teddy? Is he gone either way? Do you think he stays if Brees goes? What are your guys' thoughts on him? Uh, we'll start with you, Dennis. Well, I definitely think that uh, Bridgewater knows that he's got a leg up on the job over Taysom Hill if Brees does leave. Uh, I feel like that was showed this year with uh, Teddy's performance. Now, I, I don't know that Teddy is a lift the team up on my shoulders and will it to victory quarterback yet. But I, I also think that he has shown an 
incredible amount of heart in his fight to get back healthy. That injury has sapped some of his uh, lower body movement. And, and so there are, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, known as a runner. But I do think that his mobility is hampered a bit from that injury that he had. And I, but I, I, I do feel confident in saying that Taysom Hill is not the answer. Uh, I think Hill is, he, he's, he's Cordero Patterson. You know, he's a gadget guy. He's, he's, it, it is, it is what it is. Uh, he's a better thrower than most running backs or wide receivers, except maybe Jarvis Landry, uh, or Muhammad Sanu. I saw a stat, I think it was today on Twitter. Uh, Sanu's like six of seven for 233 yards and four touchdowns, something crazy like that. And Hill is like six of 13 with no touchdowns or something. Uh, anyways, it made me chuckle. Uh, but if Breeze does go, I'd like to see Teddy get a shot with that team because I think the team is legitimately good. And I think Teddy has worked hard to be able to uh, earn an opportunity like that. I see. I think New Orleans and Sean Payton do like Taysom Hill. There was a lot of talk in the preseason last year that they were on the fence about whether they were going to release Bridgewater and keep Hill as the backup quarterback. And that was what a few people on NFL radio were agitating for them to do. I think Bridgewater is somewhere else no matter what. All right, well, it yeah. doesn't surprise me if that ends up being that way. All right, so what would be your best fit then? Where where would uh, where's your best fit for Bridgewater? I mean, we've got a handful of opening spots. You think he goes in somewhere like say a, a Chicago to compete with Mitch Trubisky to become the starter? Or do you think he moves into one of these opening slots? Because again, we as you know, going back to Los Angeles, talking about they likely will take a quarterback at the start of the draft. So if he goes to Los Angeles, does that change everything for them? Do they not go quarterback? What are your guys' thoughts on a landing spot for him? <sighs> tough i mean i could see indianapolis to compete there i could see him going to the chargers and they take a quarterback anyway i i don't know you know bridgewater did well for himself but are there teams out there that are looking at him as the answer how about teddy in new england yeah i mean that that'd be interesting for sure i mean might fit the M.O. there with Bill because I don't think out of all the guys that are available, I don't think Teddy gets that top-end quarterback contract. So Bill's not going to have to pay him that much, brings in a, a more accomplished guy. I mean, he's only got what Stidham, I think, right now uh, on the roster. Yep. Might allow them to take a guy down at 32 as well to develop behind Bridgewater. So might not be a bad fit for him. I think he could fit into that offensive scheme fairly well. Yeah, I mean, he he's not uh, – he, he plays within the system. And so going up to New England, Bridgewater is going to be put in positions to succeed. Belichick's offense is always about putting the players in position to succeed against a particular defense. So he may have some days where he's got to throw the ball 40 times, but he may have other days where he's only throwing it 20 times. And Bridgewater is a competent passer. He's a very good, good passer. Uh, so, uh, to me, that that seems you know, as I look through, you know, Indianapolis. I, I think that Brissett showed that he's not the long term answer. He, he's a he's a quality 
backup, uh, a reasonable starter for somewhere. Uh, you, you know, I, I could see Brissette having a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick without the gunslinger mentality kind of career where he plays until he's, you know, 37, 38, 39. Josh McCown kind of thing. Uh, somewhere along that lines is more where I see Brissett at. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the Colts go somewhere somewhere besides him. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I was going to say another place I could see Teddy Bridgewater maybe getting a call to is Oakland, where they have Derek Carr, but I don't know if anyone's totally sold on him. And I think Gruden's probably looking at weighing his options at the very least wanting to have – somebody else uh, to possibly use. I mean, we saw this last offseason he was no stranger to picking up three or four quarterbacks to give himself some options. But is, is Gruden going to take a veteran, or do you think he's he wants to bring in a, a rookie and mold him? I mean, uh, if, I, if I had to go one way or the other, I think he goes veteran. I, I really do. I don't yeah. – I, I think he thinks – whether you we think it or not, it's kind of hard to tell because it, it does seem like Oakland kind of overachieved. Nobody expected them to do what they did last year, and they were in the playoff hunt, as me and Matt talked about, all the way up until Week 17, and they were in the playoff hunt. So I do think that Gruden probably has in his mind that this team is now a playoff contender, and I don't think they're that far off. They, they've got clearly some good offensive pieces, need to do a little bit more on the defense. So maybe bring in a guy that you think is going to be a smarter with the ball than Derek Carr, maybe do a little bit more uh, that he can kind of coach up and into that system and use your picks to get a bunch of more young guys and compete for the playoffs next year. I mean, regardless, it's going to be hard in that division with uh, with obviously having the Chiefs there with you. With the, They're going to be the Super Bowl. I know they're already the Super Bowl favorites and the Super Bowl defending champs now. Uh, but I do think that they've got a good team around him. I would say he, I would lean more toward him bringing in a, a veteran than a rookie next year. I think there's also a lot of pressure as they open in Las Vegas for them to make some kind of a splash. And, you know, they had talked about kind of a three-year plan and they were a little bit ahead of that plan at times this year i think they're really pushing for the playoffs which is why i would say a veteran's going to be more appealing to them so veteran that might be a very good fit there in oakland as we know that uh, if anybody watched the qb camp said uh, he used to do he, i know that he really liked this guy coming out of college what about Jameis winston uh, obviously, Tampa Bay can franchise tag him or possibly even transition tag him, which was a lot of the talk earlier in the offseason, and see if a team offers uh, more money so they can get some draft pick compensation back. You guys, uh, your thoughts on, on Tampa Bay keeping Winston, or does he move on, and where do you think he goes uh, if he does move on? Well, I feel like Winston's going to stay in Tampa. I, I think that he he's going to take that second-year step under Arians, and I for Arians to bring in another quarterback and an essential, it doesn't matter if it's a veteran or a rookie. Uh, he's going to be starting with a new quarterback. Um, some are going to be better than others, obviously. So I, I think that he Arians looks at it and says, I, I, I need to continue the process. We've, we've got a good quarterback. If he, if he can cut Winston's interceptions from 30 to 18, which is, uh, I think, a very reasonable expectation. Still, that'll probably still lead the league in interceptions, but 
I don't know, 18 is a lot better than 30. And, and keep the, the touchdowns between 30 and 35. I think that Tampa is is set to improve. That defense started to play a lot better. Uh, you know, we'll, I think when we start doing our team previews, we'll have to get Ashley on to talk about them. Uh, but I like Winston to stay in Tampa. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. He's a Florida guy. Went to Florida State. I think he wants to stay down there. And uh, I think he's willing to, to do the work for Arians. Yeah, I also think he stays. I mean, Tampa Bay wasn't that bad. They were 7-9. to nine. They showed some flashes. They need to improve their defensive secondary. They need to fix their offensive line a little bit. They, it would be nice if they had some kind of a running game. I don't think everything uh, that went wrong for Jameis Winston can be blamed on him. You know, a lot of those interceptions come because they were constantly behind and they had to just sling it out there. He had to overcome a lot of injuries to receivers. I think they, they keep him at the very worst. They franchise or transition tagging. Ronald Jones, 2020 baby. That's all I'll say about the running game. It's happening. Anyways. Well, uh, I'm hoping yeah, I just could, drafted him in the have. dynasty listener league. So. <laughs> now I a hundred percent agree with you, Matt. He could have 20 carries for 20 yards. That is Ronald Jones ceiling. Nah, I don't. I don't think that's his ceiling. That's his floor, baby. He's all right. He's all right. Just give him one more year, and he's gonna have it in the bag. Uh, I am curious as how they will cut down Winston's interceptions, though. Dennis, is he gonna? They gonna sit him on the bench? Because even then, I could see him throwing three interceptions a game. I, I don't think that they can cut down that dude's interceptions. It, it's just who he is. I. He's done it his entire career, even back in college with Florida State. I don't see it changing. Maybe they can move more toward, as Matt said, some some more running plays or something if they can get a different running back in there. You know, there's a lot of mocks that are uh, putting guys like J.K. Dobbins or Taylor there at Tampa Bay, which if they put one of those guys there, then, yeah, they're going to be able to limit some of Winston's interceptions because they're going to be handing the ball off to those guys, and I think both those guys would be great fits there in Tampa Bay. So, I I, I so David Johnson. What was Winston's high for interceptions prior to this year? Uh, what did he throw this year 18. again? Right, 30? So, 30. I don't know. 16, 17, 18, probably somewhere around there? It, it was 18. Okay. So, he and he threw almost 100 more. Uh, no, not 100. Uh about 60 more passes, 65 more passes than he had in his career. So his pass attempts were up. Uh, but prior to that, his inter- his interception rate, let me find that on here. Uh, his, his high was last year at 3.7. Prior to that, it was only 3.2% was his high. Last year was 4.8. So for the most part, he, he ends up with... Close to close to thirty touchdowns and around fifteen interceptions. So he's right around the two point seven five to one touch or no, not two point seven five, about one point seven five to one touchdown to interception ratio. So and and that's a, that's reasonable if he if he can get back to that. So if he goes thirty and fifteen next year, TD to interception. That changes that team around. If Jones has a breakout like you've been predicting for the last two years, then that then he's not throwing the ball 626 times. Maybe he's only throwing it 550 or 525. So it's well, well within reason to think improves, that. Yeah. 
So if their defense all, all improves, they don't have to up do point. so many shootouts. Uh, I just think he's going to throw it regardless. They could they could be winning thirty seven to three, and they're still going to throw it. They're going to step up in the next fifteen plays. Are going to be fourteen passes in one run for thirty yards by Ronald Jones, and that's it. Like I, I just, well, and that's on Arians. That's not on. That's not on Winston. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying it's on Winston, but Arians Arians has always been a guy who's going to air it out. I mean, outside of the when he had David Johnson, who obviously did great things for him in Arizona. I, I see the correlation with him coming to Tampa Bay. I personally don't think it's going to happen. Uh, he just did. David Johnson, in my opinion, looked done. Hopefully it was just the injuries, and he'll be able to bounce back. Uh, we're going to have to save the RB talk for another episode because hell froze over, and I defended Tom Brady for like 15 minutes. I don't. I, I think I was possessed by <laughs> Giselle's ghost or something because I don't really like defending that guy. But uh, Hey, I don't know what's going on here because I keep defending Ronald Jones lately. It too, is so. a weird day. February has got us it's all messed up. Day. Yeah, February's got us all messed well, we, up here. We need to put off the uh, running back talk because we'll all end up having to uh, praise Derrick Henry, and no one's ready for that yet. <sighs> uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I've already admitted I was. Well, it's, we all have admitted how wrong we were on him, so I guess we can do it one more time before we got to worry about that. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I just don't see them not throwing the ball that much because of Arians, and I just think that's what's going to happen with Winston. It's nothing wrong with that. I love the gunslinger mentality. Baker's got it too, and you know it comes with those guys. Sometimes they're going to make that throw you know they shouldn't make. And it's going to get intercepted. So, yes, you're right, though, Dennis. I will admit, if they're able to cut it down to 15, 18, chances are Tampa Bay is going to be a playoff team. They were right there in the hunt this year with him throwing 30. But I just uh, – it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know where they're going to go with him because Arians has kind of said that he wants him back, but at the same time not in some of his comments. So it would be interesting if they moved on from him because I, I don't know what veteran you could bring in there that would – really help out your team more than hurt it like teddy's probably the most accomplished guy but is teddy gonna be better than winston and i I don't think so maybe he throws less interceptions but i also don't think he makes some of the throws that winston makes don't see that from rivers don't see it from tom either so outside of getting breeze and i really don't see breeze leaving new orleans to go to tampa bay so i don't see a better option which is kind of why i would lean with you guys as as him coming back so a couple more quarterbacks to talk about before we get out of here uh let's do the easy one first we won't have to spend much time on him i don't think ryan Tannehill. we all in agreement that he stays in tennessee i think so yeah i think he found something that he likes there and they found a good situation I think he's going to want to come back and go for another run. And and he's not going to break the bank. Yeah. He's going to be reasonably priced. They're going to probably have to spend a little money on Henry for the next couple of years, whether it's franchise tagging. Is he is he a free agent this year? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're, they're going to end up probably franchise tagging him. Uh, you know, they've got Corey Davis, whose contract will be up, I think, next year. A.J. Brown's on a rookie contract. Jonu Smith, I think, uh, might have one year left on his contract. So it makes sense for them to keep him. I I do think in the playoffs, uh, he kind of started to show a little bit uh, what he really was. You know, he I, I don't necessarily think Tannehill is the answer. Mm-hmm. But if you have a great running game, uh, he, he can help you win some games. Yeah, I, I do think he stays as well. I agree with you guys. He, he kind of found – I also don't think that it was necessarily just he found something that worked for him. He was good in Miami, as I've talked about many times. Just the injuries and Adam Gase kind of, I think, screwed him out of Miami. Uh, so I think he landed in a spot that they clearly uh, believed in him when they put him out there and they stuck with him. 
Uh, and I, I do think he's going to stay there. And the guy that he replaced, Marcus Mariota, is going to be a free agent uh, as well. I imagine Tennessee is not bringing him back. Do either one of you think he gets a shot to start somewhere? Or do you think he's going in wherever he goes as a backup? I think he goes in as a backup, and he, he has to to prove it. I think a couple good fits are Chicago and Baltimore. Uh, but then again, when you have a quarterback with a certain skill set like Lamar Jackson, I think it's in your best interest to bring in a backup that can do a lot of those same things. And while Mariota isn't as dynamic a runner as Jackson, he's certainly in the top half, top third of the running quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but I think that potentially his his shoulder might have just never recovered or his elbow, and that may just – that may be what it ultimately is his undoing in the NFL. Going to back up uh, Trubisky in Chicago would be good. They're, I think they're pretty similar in play style as well. Yeah, I think Chicago is not a bad call. I think anywhere he goes, he has the potential to have uh, an opportunity because I, I don't, I don't think he's going to go to some team where they have a big premier uh, quarterback. Another place, uh, you know, I've mentioned this before, I think Oakland would be a potential. Um, that could be a kind of appealing rehabilitation project. You know, John Gruden, obviously, for a lot of years, was the guy that was vetting these quarterback prospects for ESPN, so he's going to be a little bit familiar with them. I think Oakland goes and gets somebody who's a second-tier veteran quarterback this year that has a chance to push Derek Carr. Cause I don't think they're a hundred percent out on Derek Carr. I think there were some extenuating circumstances. Obviously Oakland's receiving core has more questions than answers to, but I don't think they're a hundred percent sold on him at this point either. Yeah, I agree with that on Derek Carr. The one thing I'll say on, on Mariota is I agree with you on Dennis. I, I am at least in my opinion, I have no doubt it was the elbow thing. Uh, as someone who is a huge baseball fan, uh, when that injury happened to him and there was a lot of talk about that elbow and him possibly needing like what pitchers need uh, in Major League Baseball and Tommy John surgery, and he decided not to go that route. If you don't get the surgery and the injecting, I can't remember what it is, it's like plasma and stuff in your elbow doesn't work, you're not the same player until you get the surgery. Clearly, Clearly, he didn't have that because you have to sit out for an entire year, and he was at the end of his contract, wanted to come out and try and play for Tennessee and, and prove that they could make the playoffs again. Everything we saw what happened, Ryan Tannehill replaced him. I hope that if that is the issue, he eventually gets the surgery he needs because I still think Mariota has a lot left. Uh, we did not really get, in my opinion, a chance to see him uh, play for a team that really believed in him. And I, I do think he would have been better than Tannehill was. You know, one thing I've brought up on here before, I think if if Marcus Mariota was coming out this year in the draft, he'd be one of the highest-rated uh, quarterback prospects in this quarterback class because we've seen the NFL move more toward those college concepts and believe in, in those running quarterbacks that Mariota was where he kind of came into the NFL at a time where that was frowned upon and they pretty much just took you and put you into the system they wanted instead of building a system around you. So I hope nothing but the best for Marcus. Mariota, regardless, I do think wherever he goes, as you said, Dennis, he, he probably goes in somewhere and is going to be a, a backup for somebody. I don't think he's going to get a real shot at, a, at starting, at least right now, unless there's an injury uh, before uh, preseason and all that stuff happens. So 
That is all the quarterbacks on the list that are, are going to be free agents this year. Uh, we were going to get into running backs, but as I mentioned, we uh, we decided to defend a bunch of players we usually don't, and that caused all kinds of uh, length and time issues here. So Matt and Dennis, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Talk a little XFL and quarterback free agents. I look forward to talking to you guys again later this week. Right on. Yep, talk to you then.